0: Here's what the Bible says. It says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. One more time. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. I want to talk today about the glorious gospel. The glorious gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the moments we share together. And I pray that every heart today would be touched. Every person would be spoken to, not just by me, but by your word and by the truth of scripture. And I pray that today every person would know they are loved and that you have a plan for their life. I pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said amen.
1: It was Friday afternoon, and Jesus is dead. His brutalized body hanging without life on a cross dropped into a hole in the dirt. His executioners had dug the holes, prepared the place, and done their job with ruthless efficiency. This wasn't how it was supposed to be the hope of mankind overcome by powers of hell, by the shadow of a grave. We once knew what it was like to rule and reign on the earth. We were made to live in the light, in relationship, in purpose. We were made for more than what we've come to accept as normal. Ever since the garden, Satan and his kingdom have been tightening their grip. Darkness has ruled evil, chaos, suffering, hopelessness. We've been enslaved and crippled by the holes the enemy has been digging for us too. But instead of killing the Messiah, the cross became a catalyst for salvation. The hole that was dug to hold an instrument of shame and death was instead filled with an instrument to bring healing and new life. That's the way God is. Nothing is impossible with Him. He's always restoring, always renewing, always able to take what was meant for evil and turn it for good. To take our graves and turn them into gardens. Why? Because He never gave up on His plan. He has never given up on us. He knows what we don't, that you can't have resurrection life without death. Jesus, he dies so we can have lives of purpose and power over the grave. He is not dead. He is alive. And because he lives, we can live again.
0: Man. The glorious gospel. The apostle Paul said in the book of Romans, Chapter 1, verse 16, that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Now, when the Bible uses this word gospel, maybe you've heard this word. This is uh, not a common phrase in our vocabulary today, but it's very common in the first century Roman culture. Gospel simply means good news, and it was used all the time. And so like a wedding invitation would have been the gospel of that couple. Uh, The announcement of a pregnancy or the announcement of a birth of a child would have been the gospel of that child. The announcement of a political leader coming into office would have been the, the gospel of that person. And so gospel was simply a phrase that means good news and it was used all the time. But when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are talking about the good news of Jesus. We are announcing that Jesus has come. We are announcing what Jesus has done and we are announcing what Jesus will do in your life. The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is the announcement that God in Christ came to earth, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, rose from the grave and now offers us the free gift of salvation. Our response to the gospel is believing that what Jesus did for us is enough, that you cannot take away from it, and you cannot add to it, and the kids are shouting amen. Can I get an amen from someone in here? (laughs) Can't add to it. Can't take away from it. That's just, it. this is the gospel, that Jesus is enough, and that by believing the gospel and believing in Jesus, we joyously give our life to him and surrender to his lordship. This day happened for me, June 10, 1998. I was 15 years old. And I was on what is called a missions trip. We were on a border town in Texas, Del Rio, Texas, to be exact. And we were going in and out of Mexico on a mission trip. I wasn't there uh, to be a good person. I wasn't there uh, to help people. I was there because my parents made me come because I was 15 and they weren't going to leave me at home alone. Because they were smart enough to know I could not be home alone. And so I had to go with them. I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't searching for God. I was not interested in God. Honestly, I was a church kid raised in church, born and raised in church, and I never had any interest in God, never had any kind of interest in the supernatural. I mean, I just, I was, I was literally dead in my sin and I was loving it and I was okay with it. But one day I heard the gospel. Now I'd heard the gospel hundreds of times, probably thousands of times, but on that day, I heard it. On that day, I understood it. On that day, I knew that God loved me. On that day, I knew that I needed a Savior. On that day, I knew that eternity was real. On that day, I knew that I needed life change. And on that day, I said yes to this good news. I said yes to this gospel. And it transformed my life. And I am here now 23 years later to tell you that the gospel is real, that you are not here. Just to have a, a good experience or a religious experience, you're not looking at a religious person, you were looking at a dead man who came alive because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not doing this because I'm some moralist that's trying to save America. I am doing this because the Bible and the message of Jesus Christ transformed me and what God did for me, I know He can do for you. Can I get a witness to anybody? Come on, has anyone been transformed by the gospel? Hallelujah. I want to I tell you three things about the gospel. Number one, Jesus loves you. What oh, was the good news? Yeah. Jesus loves you. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you believe that. I don't know if you've ever felt that. I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but Jesus, he loves you. The Bible said that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He he so loved the world. This is not just he puts up with the world. It's not just that, oh, I guess he loves the world because he has to because that's what God's supposed to do. No, he, he so loves the world. He cares about you. You know, I love every person in this room, but I so love my wife. I, I love every person in this building, but I so love my daughter. God so loves you. He specifically loves you. If you were the only person on the earth, Jesus would have died just for you because God loves you. Jesus loves you loves you he's not mad at you he's not shocked by you he's not offended by you he's not surprised by you i know you're surprised every time you screw up because you just know you're amazing and then every time you make you're like i just can't believe it you know he's not you know nothing has ever occurred to god nothing has ever happened to god nothing has ever shocked god including your mistakes And every time you commit to God to never do that thing again and then you do it again and you're surprised, God is not surprised because he was in your past, he's in your present and he's already waiting for you in your future and he loves you and he loves the good you and he loves the bad you, he loves the public you, he loves the private you, he loves you. He doesn't love a future version of you that one day you think you will become, he loves you right here, right now, Jesus loves you and this message is radically different than any other message. It is radically different than any other religious message. Because religion is all about man trying to clean up his life, attempting to get to God. Christianity is radically different. It's God saying, you can't get to me. So God becomes a man in Christ and comes to us. When I could not find God, when I could not search for God, when I could not do enough good to get to God, when I could not pursue God, God pursued us. God came to us. Literally a name for God is Emmanuel. God with us. That when we could not get to God, God came to us. This is the message of Christianity. This is not us on a lifelong pursuit hoping that by the end of our life we did enough, prayed enough, gave enough, served enough, didn't cuss enough, didn't drink enough. No, it's, it's not about that. It's about God coming to man transforming our lives from the inside out you are not a journey you're not on a journey trying to get to God God has come to you in the person of Jesus he loves you he has a plan for your life Romans 5 8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners Christ died for us this means that we don't have to clean up our lives in order to get to God Well, Jabin, I'm I'm here this, you know, I'll be back at Christmas and then I'm going to get serious about God. No, no, no. You don't have to do that. Well, I like the message today. Give me a couple weeks to stop doing some stuff and then I'm going to come. No, no. While you're still a sinner, while you're still in it, while you're still a mess, Christ died for us. He died for sinners. He died for you. Jesus loves you. Number two, Jesus died for you. That's what His love looks like. The love of God looks like the cross. The love of God looks like the sacrificial death of Jesus. If if I could give you the gospel in five words, it would be 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. Christ took our place on the cross. Why did Christ have to die? Because the Bible says that God's first people, Adam and Eve, they were in the garden without sin. The Bible says that they fell to temptation. And God said, if you eat of this fruit, you will die. It wasn't that God killed them. And it wasn't that God released death in the earth. It was that rebellion will always lead to death. When we think about evil, don't just think of evil as some heinous act. Evil is any form of disobedience to God. That's why we're all guilty. That's why we all need Jesus. Because we, we're, we're all capable of evil and have all done evil. And think about what evil, tur- from, from um, Genesis 3 to Genesis 6, things turn up real quick. Like we go zero to 100 fast. From two people without sin who eat a piece of fruit to murder to rape, to death, to hatred, to violence, to, I mean, it goes, it goes crazy quick because evil always leads to more evil. Death always leads to more death. So Jesus came to die for our sin. He came to pay the price that we deserved to die. Look at first second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says for our sake he made him this is Jesus he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God Jesus on the cross became that sin offering died that death that we should have died but the reason that we didn't go to the cross and the reason that you don't go to the cross and the reason that we do not die for our sin is because our death would not be enough Even if we would have died on a cross, it wouldn't have been enough. So Christ died. In our place died on the cross for us should have been us but even if we would have died on the cross it wouldn't have been enough to save anybody including ourselves so the cross is not just a good moral thing to do it is a supernatural work of of salvation it's a supernatural work of replacement that that the sinner goes free and the righteous is condemned And actually on Good Friday, Jesus should not have been on that middle cross. The middle cross was already planned for. It was already fulfilled with a man named Barabbas. He was an evil man. He was a murderer. He was a a terrible person that on that Good Friday was a good Friday for him because he was supposed to die that day. But the Bible says that they released him in order that Christ would have a cross. Think about it. That is the message of the gospel, isn't it? We are Barabbas. You are Barabbas. I am Barabbas. We deserve to die. But Christ took our place, died in our place. Christ died for our sin. Oh, but I got good news. He didn't just die so you could live. That's what people say. Jesus died on the cross so I could live. No, Jesus died so you could die. Don't worry. No one's dying right now. Let me tell you what I mean. He died so that we could die to our old life. Maybe you've seen water baptism. Maybe you've seen this in church where we go under the water. And what we're doing is we're, we're telling the world, hey, I know I look the same. I know I have the same name, but I'm not the same. I, I've died to my old life. That alcoholic, he died in the water. That addict, they died in the water. That angry person, that racist, that person full of hatred, unforgive they died in the water. That person with secrets and strongholds and cycles, they died in the water. And now because he died, I can die so that I can be raised into new life. So I'm not, I'm not a better version of the old Jabin, I'm a new creation. And you can become a new creation because he died, we can die. And because he rose from the dead, we can rise in a new life. Look at Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. My old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah, no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. That was a whole bunch of scripture to simply say that Christianity is not for bad people who want to become good people. Christianity is for dead people who want to receive a resurrection from the dead. And that is available for you. That is available for me. In Jesus' name, Christ died for you. Number three, Jesus rose again for you. He loves you. He died for you, but he didn't stay dead. This is not a religion of death. This is a resurrection reality. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, right after that scripture we read, he said, and if Christ did not rise from the dead, we should be pitied among everybody. Without without the resurrection, this whole thing is just another religion. But with the resurrection, there is supernatural transformation that can happen. I want to tell you, Jesus, he rose again for you. Our faith does not end with the cross. It begins with the cross. And it leads to resurrection power. It leads to life transformation. So in Luke 24, Mary comes to pay her final respects to the body of Jesus. He had been buried now for three days and she comes on resurrection Sunday morning to pay her final respects and say her final goodbyes because it was customary in Jewish culture for three to four days after the death of a person to go back to the tomb and they would pour more um, expensive oil and different perfumes on the body just to show final respect before they would finally close the tomb. And on that third day, Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday morning, she shows up, Jesus is gone and there's an angel there and here's what he says to her. He says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? You're looking for the right thing in the wrong place. You're looking for the right thing. You're just in the wrong place. And I want to tell you, I don't think people ruin their lives. I don't think people destroy their lives. I don't think people get into addiction or get into all kinds of issues because they just wake up one morning and go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bad today or I'm going to do something bad today. Let me tell you why people get into a mess. Let me tell you why I've gotten myself into a mess at times. Let me tell you why it happens. It happens because we're looking for something good, but we look for it in all the wrong places. We're looking for something supernatural, but we're trying to find it in the temporal. We're looking for something alive, but we're walking through a cemetery. We're looking for acceptance, but we're trying to find it in a club. We're looking for peace, but we're trying to find it in a bottle. We're looking for, we're looking for our heart to be back together with different relationships over and over and over again. It's not that you're a bad person. It's that you're looking for something that you cannot seem to find in the temporal. And the reason is because it was never meant to be found in the temporal. So our culture says you just need a bigger house, and you get a bigger house, and you're still you. I need a faster car, and you get a faster car, but you cannot get away from your problems. Single people in here say, I just need to get married. And married people in here are like, I just need to get married again to somebody else. Because that's not the answer. And there's couples in here who go, we just need a baby, and then we'll be happy. And I know couples in here are like, can you babysit? Because it's not about that. Once I hit six figures, once I hit high six figures, once I get to seven figures, then I'm going to be secure. And I know so many people. Listen, it's not about that. I'm not saying any of that's wrong. I'm saying that peace is not on the other side of a guard-gated community. And peace is not on the other side of a fast car. And peace is not on the other side of having a boat or a Winnebago to go down a Lake meet on the weekends. Because you think, damn, we're going to be. That is not peace. Peace is a person. Because when the high runs out, you're still empty. And then weed isn't enough. So now, now the cool thing is, now we're going to do DMT. Because that's the cool thing, huh? I know all you young people. I know what you're into. And your little micro doses of mushrooms because you think that's going to help you because Joe Rogan does it. I'm all up in your grill right now. You're in the tent. You're about to microdose, weren't you? Because it's socially acceptable now. Have you noticed that we have to, we have to go to the next level? That when the wine isn't enough and the beer isn't enough, then the hard liquor has to go. And when the hard liquor isn't enough, listen, I'm not, I'm not some old boomer up here telling you what to do. I'm telling you, if you're going to something, you're missing it. Because you're looking for the living. You're going, why, why isn't this enough? I told myself when I get there, it would be enough. I told myself when I did that, it would be enough. I told myself when I dated them, it would be enough. I told myself when we had them, it would be enough. I told myself when we moved in, it would be enough. And it's still not enough. Why? Because you're looking for something that is beyond what this world can offer you. So buy your house and drive your car and do you but please don't miss the point of life the point of life is not in the accumulation of stuff or you will wander through a cemetery of emptiness your whole life going where is it why isn't it enough because it is beyond what this world can offer so now we get we we get a little old testament reference to to what i'm talking about maybe Excuse me, I have a four-year-old. We get a little blues clue into this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we get this little hint when the writer says, God put, he hid eternity in our hearts. Yeah. Like what you're looking for is eternal, not natural. What you're looking for is eternal. It's not of this world. So C.S. Lewis, the great author, said that God is He's put this God-shaped chasm in our soul that only he can fill. There's this thing I'm looking for and I'm looking for it and all this stuff and it's not enough because it was never meant to be enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that thing that draws us to all this stuff, simply an invitation from God to go, look up, look up, look up. It's, yeah. not, about, it's not about what this world can offer. Stop looking for the living among the dead. There is a living risen Savior. His name is yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you need and that's who you need. And that's why you're here. I'm not here because that. I'm here because my parents made me come No, You could have stopped. You could have thrown a fit. I'm here because my girlfriend said she's going to break up with me. You don't like her that much. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's a girl. I, I thought you did. He's like, I, I didn't even say it. Okay you're here. That's not funny. It's like some dude's in trouble right now. It's like, I didn't talk. Your heart will always be homesick until it finds its creator. I just want you to know that your heart, and, and you can live in a house and be homesick, and you can have everything you ever dreamed of and still be homesick, and you can have the you can have the dream life and still be homesick. And I, I'm, on the, I'm on the side of, of life now where I, I'm not rich, but I have way more than I ever thought I'd have. I grew up in a little trailer, in a trailer park in Belen, New Mexico. Shout out to the trailer parks. A lot of crazy stuff happens in trailer parks. I got, I got more than I ever thought I would have. And, and you know what? If, if I separate my life from Christ... I'm just as empty, and I'm just as broken. You need Jesus, and he rose from the dead for you so you could know him, so that you could experience this love, experience this power. And so maybe you're thinking, okay, well, what do I do in response to this? Well, that's a great question because this this question is asked in the book of Acts chapter 16. A man hears a message very much like what I just shared with you. He hears the message of Jesus. He hears the glorious gospel. And the man looks at the Apostle Paul and he says, "He said, Sir, what do I have to do to be saved? And the Apostle Paul did not say, Go to church, give your tithe, be a better spouse, be a better parent. Stop drinking. Stop doing drugs. Stop gambling. Stop cussing. Stop smoking. Stop. 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 He didn't say any of that, and I think everything I said is probably good. You should probably probably should do those. Probably should go to church. Should be a better spouse. Should probably lay back on the cigarettes. I don't know. That's probably all good, but that's not what saves you. It's not what saves you. You're not, you're not saved because Jesus said it like this. You're not defiled by what you put in your body. You're defiled by what is in your heart. So he said, here's what the apostle Paul said. He said three words that I want to give every person today. And I'm going to give people the opportunity to do this. He said, believe on Jesus. I love that he said on, not in, on. Because I know a lot of people believe in but they haven't put their weight on. My daughter's got this little stool, this little plastic stool that she stands on to brush her teeth. And I had to change the air conditioning um, little things, whatever those are called, filters. And I grabbed it. And it's made for a four year old. And I'm not four. And it's made for a four year old body. And I don't have a four year old body. Anymore. So I stand on this little plastic stool, and it just, just makes the most evil sound and shreds apart. I fall off, and I just hear my wife, sorry, sorry. Just don't come upstairs. It's okay. Because I put, I put my weight on something that can't handle me. you know what? A lot of you have your weight on. You have your trust on. You have your faith on. Maybe you have your faith on yourself. I'm good enough. I don't need God. Maybe you have your faith on yourself the other way. Jabin, I'm too bad for this. This isn't for me. I've made too many mistakes. No, that's still faith in you. That's still faith on you. So I had to find something else that was much stronger that I could put my weight on. Jesus said, don't build your life on sand. Don't put your faith on sand. Don't live your whole life on sand that is moving and that is shifting. And that can go this way and can go that way. He said, live your life, build your life, put your faith on the rock. So that when the storms of life come, you will not be moved. Believe on Put your whole life on. Go all in on Jesus. And he said, if you'll do that, you will be saved. I want to give you that opportunity. The keys are going to come up and we're going to wrap up. I want to give people the opportunity right now. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, and if you've never believed on Christ, this is your moment. You're here in the room, you're there in the tent and you're thinking to yourself right now, have I done this? Have I, have I really placed my faith on Christ? Maybe you would say, you know, Jabin, at one time I did, at one time I walked with God and loved God, served God, but I've walked away. I need to rededicate my life. I need to give my life back to God. Maybe at one time you did, you, you gave your life to God, but you took it back, it's time to give it back. And if that's you and you need to do this, I want to give you the opportunity to believe on Jesus. Now, the Bible gives us a little more explanation of how this happens. In Romans 10, it says that if we would confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, if we would believe in our heart that he died and rose again, we would be saved. So today I want to ask you to put all your faith on, put your weight on, put your trust on Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. He rose again for you. Pray this prayer with me. I want everyone to bow their head right here in the room, right there in the tent. We're going to all pray out loud. Everyone's going to pray out loud, but it's going to mean so much for you to pray. Everyone together say, Jesus, I believe on you and I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again for me. I believe you love me. And I declare, Jesus is Lord of my life. And no one's looking around, no one's moving, but right where you're sitting, I'm gonna ask you to publicly profess your faith in Christ right now. Both here in the room and there in the tent. I'm gonna count to three. I'm gonna give you a moment of courage. I'm gonna give you a moment to prayerfully consider this moment and on the count of three if you're giving your life to Christ today or rededicating your life to Jesus if that's you on the count of three I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand I will not ask you to stand I will not ask you to leave uh, the room I will not ask you to move out of your seat but just right where you're sitting if you need to give your life to Jesus today for the very first time or you need to rededicate your life here in the room there in the tent you know who you are and you would say I need to give my life to Jesus today if that's you, and you want to put your trust in him, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand high enough, long enough for me to see. I just want to pray with you. If that's you, let me see you. One, two, and three. Let me see your hand. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. All over, all over. So many people, so many people. Beautiful, beautiful. Awesome, awesome. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just want to give you one more moment. Anyone else? So good. So great, so great. So great. You can put your hands down, church. I want us to celebrate all those who just placed their faith in Christ.